me Famous scenes with drama queens and heroes Acted out there on the silver screen Come grab a seat, popcorn is on me Hi there! Welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. You like that, Thomas? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we're on the ball. <laughs> I'm Noel T. Manning II. That is Thomas Manning right here on C19 TV's Meet Me at the Movies. And if you're listening to the radio and the podcast version through WGWG, thank you. Appreciate you. Uh, we do talk movies right here every single dang week. And it is dang awesome to be back with you again. Uh, I, I do promise before the end of the show, if, if uh, we don't get edited out, we're going to talk about Willie's Wonderland, which we teased last week. Also, what else did we tease, Thomas? Oh, Loki, huh? Everybody's okay. favorite god of mischief himself. Yes, we, and, and we're not talking about Greg Tillman uh, being the god of mischief. He's, he's more like the, I don't know, you, you would call him the uh, jester of mischief? mischief? Hey, just a jester, yeah. Just yeah. a jester. Yeah. Hey, the Joker, yeah, the Steve, Joker. Steve Joker. Miller wrote his yeah, about absolutely. Him. Yeah. Well, we do talk movies right here, uh, and we stumble upon words and all sorts of other things uh, as well. And uh, we're, we're not really sure who's in mission control. We, we heard there are going to be some uh, special guests helping us to run this show uh, from time to time. Yeah, there's, there's somebody right there, and they are, uh, they are paying really close attention, uh, looking at their phone, uh, probably texting somebody uh, that's not even connected to the show. But we do appreciate whoever happens to be here uh, and, and helping to make this show possible. So thank you. Thank you, thank you. Well, Thomas, Disney and Summer, they go together like peanut butter and jelly, like Quentin Tarantino and Brad Pitt. You know, they just always want to, they go together. When, when they're together, it just works, it clicks. What, what else goes together well for you? Uh, let's see, we got uh, Scorsese and De Niro. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, huh? Ma Michael Mann and Wes Studi. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So those things go together well. Disney and Summer Family fun typically will go together well. Now, last year was a whole different matter, but theaters are back open, and we're able to kind of get back if we want to and, and see some things on the big screen that may speak to us, especially from the action-adventure style, and Disney is known for this. We, we've seen it time and time again, and here we are with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and also Emily Blunt, that's right, Mary Poppins, together on a jungle cruise that takes place in the year years around World War I. 1916, I believe. And uh, it's heavy on the action. Uh, it's, it's a mixture from a smoothie standpoint, if you're doing that Manning smoothie, the movie Minute Manning smoothie. Uh, it's got a little bit of Indiana Jones. It's got a little bit of Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, it's got a little bit of The Mummy that also had Dwayne Johnson in one of those. Uh, and, and Douglas Davidson said also romancing the stone, and he is spot on. Spot on, spot on. So give me some of your thoughts on Jungle Cruise. Yeah, so it's actually based on Disney World Ride Jungle Cruise, which was inspired by the African Queen, the uh, film with Humphrey Bogart, I believe. From yes, back in look at that. 1950, I believe, no, that release year? No, I don't think you're right. All right, well, I, I had a good streak going until that. But, <laughs> but Humphrey Bogart is correct. We're going to roll with it. And uh, this was directed by Jean-Colette Serra. I tried to get the pronunciation right. I think I did. Jean-Colette Serra? I, I, think I, was, uh, I think I was close enough. And uh, so, actually, after working on this film with The Rock, The Rock recruited him to direct the upcoming Black Adam film, the Warner Brothers production, uh, DC film. And um, so obviously you can tell that The Rock and uh, uh, Mr. S uh, Colette Sayre had a great working relationship here. And um, I, I just thoroughly appreciated everything they brought to the table. Uh, it felt like pretty much everybody on set was having a great time. 
uh, the chemistry and charisma between Blunt and uh, Dwayne Johnson was just, you know, felt very authentic and yeah. real and organic. Um, you know, I mentioned the production design and costume design. Um, it, back in that World War One era, was was just very beautiful and gorgeous to look at. I did appreciate everything that those teams did. Uh, but I think we we talked about it a little bit the visual effects, um, digital effects from that standpoint. Those maybe didn't translate as well as they could have. Yeah, those are the things for me. And you and I talked off the air about this. I, I was disappointed uh, in the visual effects. And you would expect from Disney, especially now. Uh, I mean, they, they've got every kind of special effects crew at their call all around the world that could provide some amazing stuff. And it really felt subpar. Uh, I thought even Pirates of the Caribbean films were better than what I was seeing with this. And there were definitely some, uh, some I guess you could call connections, because you've you got some characters, you've got some people who come back from the dead and they're ghost-like. Uh, very much like we saw in Pirates of the Caribbean. You see that in Jungle Cruise as well. And I didn't think they looked as good now as they did, you know, years ago, decades yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you look at what the Curse of the Black Pearl, which came out in 2003, um, the, the Walking, the Undead Army. Yes. That still holds up very well. And then yeah. Davy Jones's crew um, and the motion capture on, I think it was Bill Nye. Um, yes. And yes. That, that still holds up even 15 plus years later. But for this, um, it didn't feel like much of a progression on that, even maybe even a regression. Yeah, and I was disappointed and, and really honestly kind of surprised. As soon as I, I started seeing some of that, I'm like, okay, am I watching an unfinished cut? I almost wondered, was I watching something that it was just for critics and, you know, we're going to add the effects later, but it was not that way. There are also some subtitles uh, in German and in Spanish. Uh, and this really, it's a, a long film, two hours, eight minutes. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit over two hours. Um, so um, it's for, I would say, you know, it's kind of a family film, but it is PG-13. And for some of the more mature kids, uh, yeah. middle school age, maybe on the, upper end of elementary school could enjoy it but uh you know know what you're getting into if you're a parent so yeah because there is some some violence in this as well as you you would you have seen but just do your research do your homework uh but uh, jungle cruise is out in theaters now uh final thoughts before you give your grade uh so my man jesse plemons is in this he plays the villain and it's it's a classic disney villain uh, uh, yes. but i do love jesse plemons so much he's one of my favorite actors working today and he usually plays kind of a side character or a character he's not really a leading man yet but i think if he gets a leading man role, which I think with Martin Scorsese's next film, he's going to be right there front and center. So I'm really looking forward to that, but I love seeing him in this. Anything with him in it, I'm, I'm there. So Yeah, wonderful action sequences and some great stunt sequences as well in Jungle Cruise. What is your rating for this? I'm going to give it a solid B. Um, you know, I think we differ a little bit on this, but I did, I did quite enjoy it. Okay, yeah, I'm giving it a... Uh, I'm, I'm straddling the line between C plus and B minus, and I know that I've got to give a grade. So I'm going to, I'm going to be uh, generous and give it a B minus because I do think it's one of those things that can draw uh, certain families who are looking for that action adventure back to the big screen. Well, Thomas, uh, there is another film that's uh, that's based. It's actually interesting. Uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in a GI Joe film uh, several years ago, and there's a GI Joe Origins film out now called Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. And uh, this, you know, takes us back into seeing how this one character came to be. 
uh, and this was released just a, a week or so ago. Let's get your thoughts on Snake Eyes. Yeah, so we have Henry Golding in the lead role, who is a very, very charismatic leading man. He was in Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, I think we saw him in Guy Ritchie's film, The Gentleman, and uh, he, he's really, I, I really liked him in this role as well. Um, and for me, this, this film most worked when it was kind of separate on its own and wasn't trying to connect to the broader G.I. Joe um, you know, world building. Right. And when it was kind of just focused on this character's journey and um, his, you know, he's kind of driven by some vengeance and some anger that he has deep inside him based on something that happened early in his life. When you're focusing on his character growth and him learning about the world from, from this journey, and learning about others and learning about himself from this journey. That's when I was with it. But then yeah. it started bringing in the other G.I. Joe stuff. You have Samara Weaving pops up in there. She, she's a phenomenal actress. Yes. We, we like her and everything she's in. Um, and she was good in this, but her character kind of felt shoehorned in there. And because she was from the G.I. Joe, bigger G.I. Joe world. And um, I think you, you're kind of along those same lines. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I love the, talk about action sequences amazing action sequences in this across the board. Uh, I loved every single one of those. I think uh, Golden was great uh, from a casting standpoint. I really I thought all the casting was pretty solid, uh, but I agree with you. I, I felt that the, the G.I. Joe aspect of this was a little forced, and I know you have, to do, you have to throw some of that in there, but I think they could have done it gently, um, and there was a, a, a Cobra leader that was dropped in that when when she was dropped in, she almost felt cartoonish, mm -hmm. and it didn't really fit with the rest of the film. Um, Samara Weaving, uh, we talked about, uh, she was Scarlet, one of the G.I. Joe characters, and, uh, you know, she was okay, but I think it could have done without that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm completely in agreement with you. I, I think the the story of how did this character come to be and what are the obstacles and the crisis situations internal and external that he had to overcome to decide, okay, what is going to be my choice? Where am I going to go from here? Am I going to continue uh, seeking vengeance and, and following this path, or am I going to do something different? That's that story question that really drives this film. And when it's doing that, it's do, it, it does it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. And going back to the action sequences, um, something that bothered me and bothered a lot of other people I've talked to was the shaky cam and the choppy editing. And um, it's something that we've kind of grown accustomed to in um, you know, American, Americanized action cinema, and, uh, which is a bit disappointing because the stunt people are doing great work. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you have the cameraman in there, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you right up in there in the action, but I prefer when the cameraman is kind of sitting back just capturing the full scope of everything, letting the stunt people um, do the work that they've been trained to do. And um, I think um, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more to appreciate just the great work of those, okay. those people behind the yeah, scenes. So. Yeah, and, and um, I, I think that it's only a matter of time before the Oscars set up a category for, for best stunts. And uh, I know that uh, you know, in talks with some other organizations that I'm a part of, that's uh, definitely on uh, the dialogue table for awards coming up even as soon as this year uh, for some of the organizations. I can't say who right now because we haven't locked uh, or announced that, but, uh, but it may be forthcoming quite possibly. So what is your rating or any other thoughts you want to make sure you add 
uh, as it relates to snake eyes. Uh, so this does have Iko Uwes, who is an Indonesian actor and martial artist. Uh, he was in The Raid. He was in The Night Comes for Us. And I was very glad to see him on screen. And uh, he gets his time to shine on a few occasions. Um, and I just had to mention him because he's one of my favorite, uh, you know, stunt people, martial artists out there. Uh, overall, a solid B minus for Snake Eyes, uh, but definitely a really, really fun summer action flick, and gave me pretty much what I was hoping for and expecting. Yeah, I'm right there with you as well. B minus for Snake Eyes uh, in theaters now. If you're looking for, if you're just looking for an action film to sit back and just eat your popcorn and let it take you away, this is one of those that I think will will do that and do that well. Uh, before the break, let me talk to you about a uh, twist on a modern adaptation of Oliver Twist. It's called Twist. Uh, first five minutes of this film, you get the backstory of Oliver, who now goes by the name of Twist. It's a modern-day version uh, of, of this story that Charles Dickens brought to us so many years ago. Uh, this character is trying to understand how to live in a world as an orphan. Uh, the backstory, you, you realize he had an incredible relationship with his mom. Uh, lost his mom, and, and now he's having to live on the streets and trying to make it. Uh, the, the lead character is played by Ralph Law, Jude Law's son, and I got to tell you, I didn't realize that going in. I wasn't even looking at who the cast was. And I'm watching, and I'm like, man, this kid looks like a young Jude Law. And I'm like, well, no wonder. It's his son. Of course he's going to look like him. Yeah, people uh, say the same thing to me around <laughs> campus all the time. So about, uh, yeah, you're Noel's son. You got to be, so. <laughs> But, but uh, Ralph Law did, did an amazing job, uh, and from the story standpoint, Oliver is kind of haunted by his past, and he yearns for a family that he's lost. Uh, eventually, he does connect with his crew, uh, a, a crew that loves to do some heisting and robbing of others. Uh, they're all teenagers, uh, but led by a couple of adults, uh, and the adults are cast by um, Michael Caine and Lena Headey, or uh, the two adults in this, and uh, they've got some secrets and some backstories uh, their own. Uh, it's really a, a major heart fight. Heart, let me try to say that again. A major art heist revenge tale combined with a coming of age drama. I don't think I could say that again if you ask me to. Uh, the editing style in this uh, in the opening scene is absolutely amazing. I was reminded of Baby Driver and how much I love that opening scene, the title sequence of Baby Driver. Uh, see that in this one as well. Uh, the use of lighting and reflections, especially in water and glass and windows, really uh, is symbolic of what's happening with the characters because when you're seeing these reflections, the characters are also inwardly looking at the choices they're making. I thought that was spectacular, uh, the way they did that. Camera work, the production design, all that was wonderful. Uh, also, the soundtrack choices. They had a lot of soundtrack choices that reminded me of what John Hughes used to do with soundtracks. You don't see a whole lot of that now. You saw it in the 80s. You don't see a lot of that now, but it really, really worked here. Um, stunt work, we talked about stunt work earlier, wonderful stunt work here. Uh, there was a lot of uh, parkour and free running that was almost as good as Michael Scott in The Office. Okay. That's how good yeah. it was. So I know that you're going to be drawn into this, Thomas. Uh, solid character chemistry uh, for the most part. Um, much, much of the acting was kind of in tune with his old school Disney crime capers that were out years ago. Um, it's a PG-13 uh, for this film. Uh, it, it worked for what it was. Uh, the second act was a bit drawn out. Uh, there were some intentional bad disguises that some of the characters had on, which, which you know, 
again, makes you think of some of those old school Disney films. Some of the fight scenes were a little goofy at times, but that was also intentional and it fit this old school style. I couldn't really decide the audience. That was the one thing for me that I was, I was struggling with. Uh, it tried to straddle the line between, is this something that kids could, uh, could appeal to kids? Could it appeal to young adults? Or could it appeal to adults? And, and just could not quite find that right balance. Uh, but I did find the message uplifting, and the message is something we've seen before, that families can be found anywhere as long as you open your eyes and are willing to see it. I love that message, and I think it did work with the movie Twist. A B-minus rating for me. Uh, I'm glad I got a chance to check this out, and it is available now. Any thoughts, questions on, on that particular film? Well, I'm still looking for a family out there somewhere, so maybe I can, <laughs> maybe I can watch this film and be inspired to kind of take that action. So. Well, if you are interested in adopting uh, Thomas Manning, uh, you can just email info at c19.tv, info at c19.tv. I will say, from what I understand, the boy likes to eat, and he likes to eat a lot, a whole lot. We're going to take a quick intermission. We'll see if we get any emails uh, during this time, we're going to come back uh, talk about another Snake Eyes, uh, this time with Nicolas Cage. And uh, it's a De Palma film, if I do remember correctly. And we're going to try to get in Willy's Wonderland. Uh, we are going to get in Willy's Wonderland. And Naked Singularity uh, as well, right after this intermission. Between your job, your family, and other demands on your time, life can get pretty hectic. So we want you to take time for yourself. Hi, I'm Jennifer Harrell, and I want you to join me for your health. Each month, the Cleveland County Health Department and C19 TV will explore topics that affect you and your family's health. We'll discuss the importance of exercise, a healthy diet, and regular health screenings and checkups. From fitness tips to warning signs to the latest healthcare news. For your health will help keep you in shape and up to date in Cleveland County. We want you to be your best, so join us each month for your health. Right here on Spectrum Cable and online, c19.tv. back to meet me at the movies i don't know what that little squeak was welcome back to meet me at the movies nolte manning the second here thomas manning there talking cinema and we talked about snake eyes before the break but we're talking about another snake eyes 
Right now, it's a flashback. Nicolas Cage, we can't seem to get enough of Nicolas Cage. Thomas, you and I got to revisit this film recently. That's right. This is a Brian De Palma film from 1998, and it's written by David Kep, who you might recognize as a screenwriter for Jurassic Park, just a little, little Spielberg film from 93. Uh, also, a screenwriter on Mission Impossible, the very first one from 96, as well as the first Spider-Man film, first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man film. And uh, so the screenplay is... But all that aside, the, screen, the screenplay itself is actually kind of standard. It's really, it's really the direction of De Palma that yes. stands out to me here. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and De Palma, there were so many times he was on. I mean, you look at some of the early films, but recently, not as much. But this one, uh, just from the standpoint of long takes and the purposeful direction and choreography of the long take, superior to, to what we have uh, seen uh, in the past. I think De Palma had a way of making it happen, and man, they were so good. Yeah, yeah the, that opening 15 minutes is probably one of the most impressive openings that you will ever see in a film, just from a logistic standpoint of production. Um, everybody had to be on their game, uh, you know, second unit behind the scenes doing work, directing the extras. Uh, you have this camera that kind of starts outside of the stadium, and then moves through a crowded stadium where there's a big title boxing match going on. Um, I think it's 15 minutes with no cuts. Um, outside you have a hurricane going on too and that plays into the story. Uh, but all the while, while the camera's moving all throughout this crowded stadium, the actors are still delivering their lines, delivering their dialogue. Nicholas Cage gets to just kind of let loose and uh, just, it's definitely kind of an unhinged performance for him yeah. from him, which is what, yes. that's definitely his territory. Yes. And yeah. But, you know, in a film like this where you have to rely on those long takes, you don't get many chances to do that over. Now, I'm not sure. I mean, if we went and looked at the director's commentary, we could probably see how many takes it took to get that right. But you do have to, to look at it almost as if you're doing a stage play where you don't get a second chance. You just have to roll through these 5, 10, 15 minutes of, of scenes and make them work and make sure that everything also happening behind the scenes is clicking because yep. you had to have production assistants giving cues to extras to walk across. I just continue to be fascinated by this film and it holds up yep. so well. Uh, it, it's got Gary Sinise in it as well and it's one of these mystery films that De Palma typically in the past has done so well. Yeah, you got some uh, government conspiracy in there and I think the main theme of the film is that eventually the mistakes of your past will catch up to you if you don't take the time to write them and don't take the time to own up to what you've done. And um, really interesting character that we have played by Nicolas Cage. Um, how selfish is he? Is he doing what he's doing for the right reasons? Um, is he doing it just, is he just being a good person, just trying to do the right thing for the, for the glory and the fame? Um, so I thought the exploration of his character in relation to the character of Carla Gugino, who hasn't aged in however many years. I think she was like 25 years old at this point. <laughs> she hasn't aged since then. And um, so I really liked the dynamic between those two characters as well. Yeah, it's a film definitely worth revisiting if you like action mystery films. Uh, and if you like seeing uh, the Ragin' Cajun that is Nick Cage, yeah. I think that you will appreciate this. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny because we talk about that first 15 minutes as just being so complex, but also there are other parts of the film where the camera moves through walls and moves over walls and over like different hotel rooms, uh, gives you different perspectives on, okay, here's what's going on in this room and then moves over the ceiling, here's what's going on in this room. And it's really just consistently, um, consistently amazing throughout the entire film. And you said it reminded me you of a Kurosawa 
film as well, right? Uh, did I? Uh, did you? Uh, I'm trying Maybe to think. Maybe not. Uh, oh, oh, there were flashbacks. The flashback sequences reminded me of Russell Mullen okay. uh, with telling the story from different perspectives of the characters. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's well worth revisiting this review from The Vault uh, with Snake Eyes. What is your rating for this? Uh, solid B plus for Snake Eyes. Yeah, for me, solid A. Uh, the, the film holds up and it holds up uh, quite well. Uh, there is a film uh, in theaters now. Uh, yeah, we're still looking at the people running and, and the people that are running the show behind the scenes are still just loving us. They're still loving us and still working hard, and we do appreciate that. Uh, Naked Singularity is a film uh, with John Boyega, Linda Lavin, Tim Blake, Nelson, Olivia Cook, Bill Skarsgård, and Ed Screen. And you would say, wow, that's a, an amazing cast. Uh, directed by Chase Palmer, first movie he's ever directed. Uh, he is uh, was a screenwriter for It. Uh, the story follows two main characters, a young uh, public defender in New York who's jaded by the kind of ills of the criminal justice system. He's looking for a better life for himself and also for his clients. On the other side, you've got a law enforcement impound attendant who takes care of people's cars when they get impounded. Uh, she makes a mistake of getting involved with some criminals with a payoff uh, to get something out of a car. That drives the whole story. Uh, these two characters end up uh, colliding in their past, truly colliding in their past, uh, and they're faced with the question of should they or shouldn't they take $15 million worth of goods from a cartel. That's what drives the story. Starts out as a crime drama, about 35 minutes in, it takes this odd turn with elements of sci-fi. And you're like, okay, what? I'm intrigued, where, where is this going? And then the beginning of Act 3, it turns into a completely different heist film. Um, the public defender gets, gets these odd messages on billboards and graffiti, and you're like, what, are the, what do these messages mean? Um, so you're, you're trying to figure out what the heck is going on, what kind of movie is this? And that's part of the problem. Uh, you're not sure what kind of movie you're watching. Is it a heist film? Is it a drama? Is it an action film? Is it a crime procedural piece? Is, there, is it sci-fi? And, and nobody really knows. And that's the part that really did not work for me. There were B stories that I felt were meaningless. Uh, there was no richness to the story at all. It really just kind of left me frustrated and bewildered. Uh, it's a film about choices right and wrong, ultimately. Um, left and right, because <laughs> there are some choices that they have to make that send them in the left direction and the right direction. And I, I think it was just a few wrong turns for me from a direction standpoint along the way and I was wondering who was holding the GPS. So, uh, Naked Singularity, uh, the payoff does not match the potential yeah. C minus rating for me on this. Well, uh, Thomas, uh, we, we did promise we we're gonna talk about Willy's Wonderland and Loki, so give me some quick talks, uh, quick, thought, quick thoughts. Ah, some quick thoughts about Willie's Wonderland. All right, so you got Nicolas Cage with a caffeine addiction. Uh, he doesn't speak a word of dialogue, and he loves pinball, and he also gets a dance montage. And also, yeah, in the background, he's fighting against, like, demon-possessed animatronics from Chuck E. Cheese's. Okay, that's enough. That's, that's enough. That's really all you need. Um, <laughs> and no dialogue in this movie. No dialogue. Not a single word of dialogue from his character. Um, you know, other characters, um, you know, going all crazy, going all nuts, but he's just there taking care of business, beating up on animatronics. So. Okay, and so is it, is it worth the fun? It is, it is worth the fun. I do think there's a bit of a deeper meaning in there about how if you keep, if you keep feeding uh, the things that are taking advantage of other people in the society, then eventually the things that you are feeding will turn on you. And that, that was kind of my, uh, my interpretation, but I might have just been uh, digging a little bit too deep into it. But, okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So what's your rating? 
Uh, I, I'm going to give it a, a yeah. solid B minus for okay. uh, Willie's Wonderland. B minus yeah. for Willie's Wonderland, and Loki is available now. You can watch the entire first Thank season. Uh, it's fun. Uh, it, it is uh, engaging. Uh, the acting is exactly what you want. There's a lot of time travel in this as well with some twist uh, and some uh, other things that are happening. Uh, in, in 10 seconds, what do you want to share about Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, Loki is kind of breaking the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe and shooting it off into the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. And uh, it's going to, I'm very fascinated to see. And there's, it's also been renewed for a second season as well. So, All right. Yeah, Loki, uh, check it out. Uh, it is definitely going to play some roles and what's happening in the MCU. Uh, I was hoping to uh, review Joe Bell. I uh, did not get a chance to, but let me just say uh, quickly that a uh, powerful story, um, some really wonderful performances with Mark Wahlberg and Reed Miller. Uh, this is based on a true story, a B-plus rating uh, for Joe Bell. Wish I had more time uh, for that, but we need to wrap things up right here on Meet Me in the Movies, or at least that's what our mission control is telling us. Uh, but I will leave you with a quote of the week. Uh, this comes from uh, Dr. Ian e. Malcolm from Jurassic Park. And <laughs> I hate being right. Uh, and until next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II for Thomas Manning uh, and for all the cast and crew right here on Meet Me at the Movies. That's a wrap. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs>